This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mom Curious podcast. I'm Daniela Rabani, your very humble host. I am here with Dr. Tracy, who just wrote an unbelievable book that I'm so excited to get my hands on. It's called, I didn't sign up for this. Um, it's about relationship healing. Yes. About mm-hmm. mm, The yeah. real life everyday struggles that couples are having. Wow. I want to set my intention out loud for this hour together, actually, if that's okay. I think there's so much valid uh, rage <laughs> that women have, and we have been champions on this podcast for that holy anger. There is such a softness with the way that you speak to couples, heterosexual couples. I just want to um, preface that mm-hmm. because that's usually the the people that you see in your office. Mm-hmm. There's such a softness that you bring to your interactions with them and then the retelling of those stories um, that I want to bring to this conversation as well, because I think we can't get to the next step in our development as a society if we don't also have that softness that you, that you as a therapist are providing for both the man and the woman in these, in these heterosexual partnerships that are expressed in the book. So that's my out loud intention, which is not turning my back on gripes, but I want to turn my heart forward to solutions. Hmm. And I feel like you really bring a beautiful voice to that. That rage is so familiar. (laughs) And I think even sitting in acknowledging that I too felt that sense of rage in the unfair division of labor in my home after having children, in how things were feeling in my relationship, and then also hearing it day in and day out in my therapy room. Mm. And I love that you are bringing this forward as an intention to start because as I was writing the book and all of the struggles that come with being an author and a writer and trying to communicate what it is you wish to get out there. I remember a friend asking me, well, what's your secret sauce? Why do people stay seeing you for so long? Why do people connect with you? And what I came down to or came back to maybe into kind of into myself was that sense of empathy Mm -hmm. that when we can be sitting across from someone, whether it's your child, which can draw up so much easy empathy for us at times, it's easier to have empathy for your two-year-old. But then when you look at your partner and you think you are an adult, <laughs> you lose that sense of empathy. But when we when we go into that space of empathy and curiosity and understanding, I think from that space is where we can really grow and shift and change. And within a lot of that is also looking within ourselves in Mm. what is happening for us that might be contributing to that rage, which Daniela, that is not an easy thing for us to do. To look at at the rage, right? 
Mm-hmm. The rage, well, the resentment. Mm. From what I understand, and I can only speak from my own experience and my own sort of filter, and I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. From what I understand, that rage is what's happening in the present moment, but it's also like a sort of tunnel, like a sort of like pocket of all the the rage of all the women from before and all of the hurt that we've experienced. I just... I just uh, listened to a, another author who sort of um, weaves together the Me Too movement with being, you know, touched out in in parenthood. And I think, yes, in the day to day, there is uh, it's it's annoying. It's <laughs> it's annoying what's expected of of women. But I think be- the reason why it gets so big is because it's a lifetime of that type of dynamic. So we have to look at that. And we also do, if we want peaceful partnership, we have to look into the eyes of our beloveds as human beings who also come to this experience with programming mm-hmm. and, and shortcomings of their own, of their own. Um, which, which when we are covered up with that rage and resentment, the kind of wanting to go outwards, this is where it can be really hard because we just want the day-to-day to change. If you just picked up the socks, if you just contributed to making the meals, if you were able to put your phone down and greet me at the door or right, it, the, the list can go on. So it can be really hard. And for, for people who are kind of thinking, Hmm, what, what are we talking about here? I want you to think of, all of the interactions you have had in your lifetime. And these interactions, whether we remember them or not, create pathways in our brain. They're a roadmap for what it means to be ourselves, to be in our own self-worth, our sense of self, to understand if we are lovable, worthy, good, but then also what it means to be with another person and whether they are dependable, reliable, safe, if we can turn to them. And then also those moment to moment interactions also shape what we understand about the world. Is the mm-hmm. world safe? Can we be safe in exploring the world? And so those early interactions with our caregivers become these implicit, they're, they're implicit memories. So we don't necessarily have to tap into them to do something, but we can definitely be on autopilot on a, in a space of reaction in our relationships because we we do what is familiar we do even if familiar is not necessarily good but familiar feels safe so mm-hmm. we do that in our relationships and so mm-hmm. if and as you're listening or watching you can ask yourself who did i see get angry growing up how did they respond what did they do who did i see that do th- that to me and then also how do I then do it? What does it look like for me? Because oftentimes there's some kind of roadmap in there. And we talk about this in interpersonal therapy where you either find a partner who does what a parent did to you. So it repeats the cycle. Or we find a partner where we do to our partner what our parents did to us. Mm-hmm. Or we internalize our parents' narrative and we do it to ourselves within the relationship. And those are hard cycles to break. But, you know, what I understand about that experience is that 
it's repeating in order to be healed. It's mm-hmm. the psyche saying, babe, 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 babe. It wasn't good the first time. Right. <laughs> I, I need you to look at it. It's not good this time. <laughs> oh. I need you to... Are you ready to look at it? Please look at it. Are you ready to look at it? Please look at it. Okay, if you don't want to look at it here, I'll make it happen here. Mm-hmm. Make it happen with this relationship and that relationship and this mm. relationship. I read your post. Congratulations on being a mama of two for four mm-hmm. years. Thank you. And I deeply resonated with it because similar to you, my first, I thought, Phew, this is an opening. I did not expect to grow this way with my son. Yeah. And coming forward, I now understand I had an early miscarriage before he was born, um, before I conceived him. And I believe that I wasn't ready for the first baby. And so me either. When he came, it, it's, it was such an interesting piece. I had this intuitive sense that I knew I was going to have a son. We were breaking a cycle in my family. I am one of two girls. My mom is one of two girls. It, and it goes on. And having the first boy in our family was like, okay, this is, we're doing some work here. But then Daniela, in came my daughter. And I knew, I knew, I, I knew it was, I knew I was having a girl. And there have just been so many moments of learning the deeper stuff within myself that show up in my relationship as well as I am parenting my children. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, the projection onto the children, first of all, it's deeply uncomfortable because you're like, that's a child that has nothing to do with my dad, my mom, society at large. That's a literal baby. It can feel crazy, but they are here to change the world. I mean, that's what human beings are here to do. Like they come here, they pierce through our psyches and it's the consciousness that we bring to that, I think, right? Like I can say, wow, I really thought that when my son would get mad and I would get mad too, I was mad at a two-year-old. I was mad at the idea of a masculine, aggressive force. Mm-hmm. That's what was happening. I had projected that onto a little kid. Mm-hmm. The same happened when, my, when I found out that my, I was pregnant with my daughter. I cried. Not out of disappointment, but out of real fear for the way women are treated in this world. Mm-hmm. And the reason why my intention is to open my heart in this conversation is because I also know that there is love to be enjoyed, that there is real partnership. I see that in your marriage that you share online. I see it in my own. I really do. Like, I don't, I used to feel like, ugh, why do men have get away with all this? And it, that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we've really progressed. And I, so I have enough hope in our species i really do that we can evolve that we can be respectful that we can do this together but it did take me looking at my understanding of what gender norms are and mm. it was i really i really resonate that um when you said i'm breaking patterns and it's so so then we look at a safe place to put our rage and anger and frustration and resentment. And of course, the person who is safe is our partners. Right. We've chosen them. 
we come home and we, we know children have the resta- restraint collapse after school and daycare. And then at the same time, um, we have that with our partners because it feels safe. Mm. And at the same time, we still have to go inwards and ask ourselves, what do I want in this moment? What am I choosing? And we can choose connection. We don't have to choose the old, hard pieces that are there inside of us. Yeah. I remember this one Saturday, my husband was at work. I did a lot of solo parenting on weekends as our schedules were what they were back then. And my kids, I, I recognize now that I was overstimulated and I was um, what I like to call rage cleaning. So I was in a lot of this like anger. And um, I know you recently talked to Kate Northrup. She's fantastic. I listened to her do less book and just devoured everything she has to teach. Um, and so I know you talked about the nervous system lately, recently. So um, that's that sympathetic fight or flight our body is on fire and it's like, you know, when we're overstimulated and in that, what people like to say, mom rage, um, that's that space of, it's like there's a bear at your front door and you're ready to run. So I'm in one of those moments, the kids have been all over me all day. I've gotten a thousand and one snacks for them. And finally they're in this moment where they're playing on their own. And I find myself just putting away some things in the kitchen and then I'm wiping the kitchen counter and then I'm scrubbing the back tiles and then I've got the magic eraser out and I'm doing the walls. Mm. And then I have the thought that shows up. My husband doesn't do anything. And it was so, it was so loud that in a reactive state, I could pick up my phone and text him and say, you never help out. This is always me. I have to do everything. And in in that moment, I was able to recognize the thought and say, okay, wait, hang on. This isn't what's actually happening right here. You are overstimulated. Your nervous system is telling you that you need to fight or flight connecting with your partner is sending this kind of text is not going to bring you closer. You're not choosing us by sending that text. Let's pull back for a second. Hang on. Oh, he did make breakfast for the kids this morning. Mm. He didn't help out around the home. I know there's controversy around the word help. I can reframe that. He does participate in his fair share around the home. Um, But it was so interesting to watch myself in that moment. And to see how easy it would have been to put all of that anger and frustration on him. Mm. But instead of saying to myself, what's going on for you in this moment? Right. 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 Because that's actually the harder question. What's going on for you in this moment? I have to thank you because in my research before we hopped on today, I was um, watching so many, (laughs) so many of your videos, which are fantastic. You're an amazing storyteller and educator. A couple of days earlier, I was really mean to Dan, my husband. I don't know. The, he put away like a spoon that was still dirty or whatever. And I like held on to that moment all literally all day. And it took me a couple of days and many of your videos <laughs> to turn to him and be like, I, I was overwhelmed. I was tired. And I, I just, I, I made you to blame for that. And you weren't to blame. You are kind. And you are, I really said it to him. I said, you were kind and you were good. And you really do your fair share. And he cried. He was like, thank you so much. 
Oh, he and needed I, that. You, you, you hit a child part of him that needed to be seen in a way. But I had also like lashed out like a child. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? as we do. And I, um, I think it was the, the, the teachings on people always ask you, why is it always the same fight? Mm-hmm. And do you want to actually tell that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, some of the most common things that people show up into my office for, so we can go big and I'll come back to this. So people show up often because they are arguing about the, the mental load which I know you've talked about here in the podcast, the mental load, the kids, the sex, the money, the in-laws, the family. And I have heard some fantastic arguments, Daniela, Mm-mm. over how to boil water, over socks being left somewhere. Spoons. Over spoons, right? And what we know is it's not about those things. Yes, there's a very real reality that we have to problem solve, how we're going to parent together, how we're going to navigate the holidays that are coming up. There's a very real reality to that. But oftentimes what's underneath these arguments are these core needs that we all have, which is, do I matter to you? Am I important to you? Do you see me? Can you validate me? Am I enough? Am I worthy? Do I belong here? And those are our core needs that oftentimes we didn't get them as children. And so we keep searching for it. And maybe early on in your relationship, you were able to say, hey, I don't feel really all that important. Um, but let's plan some time together. But for many of us, we actually don't have that language or even awareness of what that core need is. Mm. I didn't even think twice about it. Until you laid it out that way. And I could put down my phone in the middle of my research and reiterate that he does matter to me. Mm-hmm. He does mm-hmm. belong here. And he is so good. And it's so I, beautiful that he was able to let that in too. Right? Because <laughs> our, our partners can respond with, well, next time, you know, they, they can keep their guard up. But he just let that in and was able to to feel that thank you for saying that that's a great reminder also because he is just a tender good soul he really he really is can can I speak to that blame right there because I think a lot of people and I imagine you know knowing that this is um, a podcast titled mom curious so we're speaking (laughs) likely to to mothers but also to other people who will experience this Um, is that for blame Blame, I think, is a really common place. And I mo- in the couple dynamic, it tends to be more of a position that women sit in. And this is speaking heterosexual, cisgender women. Um, and what we know about blame is it's actually a way of trying to stay away from hard emotions. And we externalize, we look outward. And it stops us from then having to feel shame or discomfort within ourselves oh my god wow you read a bit of your book and there was a blaming woman uh, in one of these scenarios it was really amazing to witness the therapist shaken by that vitriol Uh and your empathy and your softness towards the man in that situation 
it was very healing for me because I can be that woman. And I think that woman probably has great, great attributes and that strength and that awesome. I'm sure that literal woman who is a real person, by the way, is a case study in your book. manages an amazing team. Ah, I bet. Right. And, 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 and of course, because to manage a team, you need to know what you want. You need to be able to communicate. You need to direct ah. outward, right? Confidence, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But to see you, even in the reading of that passage, like so hurt, <laughs> so shaken, so like baffled in a way by like her not seeing her own part in this, mm -hmm. I was like, how crazy that she's talking about me <laughs> such a human experience I, th I think that that is this that the core piece that's coming out of these stories is just how human they are mm. and this sense of how much we are unlearning from our own upbringings mm. and difficult child experiences and uh, and that moment, I, I know it, it's so interesting to think of when you sit across from someone and this individual would rail her husband or her partner in sessions with all of the things that he didn't do. And it was hard because her reality was so clear to me. I could see the pain and the suffering that she was having. You know, the her own core needs sounded like, why can't you see me? I'm not important. I don't matter here. And yet for this person, it felt safer to stay in anger and blame because of all of the earlier experiences that she had mm -hmm. had. I like want to know how you navigate that as a, therapist but I think that's probably in the book it's partly in the book um the, the ending of the story is in the book for sure <laughs> in, in the moment it, it's I, I think of a lot of the grounding tools that I've learned within myself that I can use in the therapy room mm. and what's what's fascinating Danielle though is because of course my story is also in the book is that yeah. as soon as I go home um, sometimes those tools have gone out the window because as I say in the book, I have been a human a lot longer than I have been a therapist. And you seem like a really good therapist though. Hmm. Thank you. Like a, Thank you. What brought you to this profession? Hmm. Hmm. The curiosity and observing of others. I was always so curious about why other people did the things they did. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm five years younger than my sister. So I think that there was this element of watching someone older as well. Mm -hmm. And then her coming to me saying things like, am I dating this person? Am I not dating this person? <laughs> and, um, you know, being able to say things like, why don't you just ask him if you're <laughs> dating or not? Um, but I think there's also this very real reality where I, and I didn't discover this until recently becoming a mom to both of my kids is that I'm also a highly sensitive person. Yeah. And un once I understood that, I all started to make sense in the sense of feeling others' experiences, yeah. being present with others and attuned to them. It's also probably why you would rage clean. Of course. Because overstimulation is a marker of a, a nervous system marker. we share, baby. 
a huge mojo, right? <laughs> and I couldn't understand. Um, so highly sensitive person, uh, the Aaron's Elaine Aaron and her, and her partner, they released that book came out, I think 2017. Mm-hmm. So the research was, was being done beforehand. I became a mom in 2015. I couldn't understand why watching my son fall over when he was trying to crawl or walk, I would get this jolt in my nervous system. The jolt. And I know the jolt so you well. You know the jolt. Oh, oh my goodness. Like I didn't fall. Why do I feel like I fell? Right. Right. And I couldn't understand what, like, was there something neurologically wrong in my body? Um, and then I had other physiological symptoms as well. Being pregnant, my skin has decided to change and I have dermatographia, which is like, if I rub my skin, it'll leave a mark on it. So kind of that sensitivity through skin that I've yes. always had. But then the the real overstimulation piece was the noise. My dog, yeah. oh, he's our first baby. He, I think he was yeah, he was two and he needed a lot of attention and he would bark. And if my son was sleeping, that would just send me over the edge oh and I couldn't listen to music. I and... feel so seen. I feel so oh, seen. Oh, I see you. Oh my God. And also yeah. that's probably why I um, just love you so much um, <laughs> because um, that exact experience having the dog barking and the baby sleeping, like it with the jolt in my it felt like an electric, like, um, like I was electrocuted. The it car, was the, electric- the car pliers, right? I that mean, are like it was put so- on you and you're being jolted. Oh my God. Yes. I-, I actually tell my therapist all the time, like, it's the screaming for me, mm-hmm. like the screaming. I can't, but it's also why when I see another highly sensitive, empathetic person, I'm like, wow, like Dr. Tracy really feels what this guy is going through like uh-huh. you really understand uh-huh. what your husband is going through uh-huh. now when we don't like take it on and we can like experience it we really have a a leg up right it's, it's empowering it's powerful when when we don't lose ourselves in the other person's experience i think that's what you're what you're saying right here is when we can have empathy for another person but there's this um in therapy we use the word like working distance from something if we need to work distantly from something but just in in a relationship in general it's be it's the ability and i talk about this more in the book around interdependence and differentiation Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. we want the psychological words but differentiation is this ability to see that i'm having an experience and to be aware of it and to acknowledge it and to communicate it in an effective way. And then to also see that you're having an experience that's different from mine. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really hard. Cause then again, we loop back to our childhood experiences where we receive messages like stop being so sensitive. Mm-hmm. You're making oh, yeah. mommy mad. Why would you do that? Or, you know, and a lot of clients will say they don't, they don't ever say in session, my parents told me to be perfect, but perfection was modeled or parents often said things like, where's the other 2%? Oh, you got 95? That's oh, right. Where's yeah, the that's, 5%? That's yeah. why, by the way, that's why when I say to Dan, you are good, like empirically, 100%. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. I think it, he wells up with tears, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think we know that about, we know that about our, our, our partner's childhoods. We know what was missing, what buttons were pressed. We can either yeah. press them to hurt them which would really not be a good idea but but we do it sometimes or we could really use that information to make them feel really good mm-hmm. you yeah know? To, to give them 
as well what it is that they need. Can we talk about you being in the book, like you being Ooh. a character in your own Ooh. case study? It was almost like, well, well, first, I absolutely love what Lori Gottlieb did in Maybe You Should Talk to Someone in her book, mm -hmm. how she opened the door to therapists as people, and they have lives outside of their therapy rooms. And I yeah. absolutely loved how she led us into her world and her life in that way as a therapist. Um, this is I'm, new. This is new. And and for me, by new. the way, I... I when I'm engaging in therapy, like it's, it's actually very hard for me to be with someone who's like old school in the way that they're divorced. Like I, my, my therapist will be like, in my life, I do da da da, I'm, which is not prescriptive, but I really need to talk to a person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I find it very and healing. In that, I think Danielle is important for us to recognize as therapists, but also as consumers who are looking to be in therapy is that we are changing. We no longer want the blank slate. We don't want to lay on the couch with the necessarily. Some people might want that. But what, what we're craving more than ever today is connection. Yeah. I want to sit across from you and know that you experience this too. Not in a way of me too, that like, let me tell you about my kids who just dropped the floor this morning and wouldn't get out the door to school. Not in that kind of way, but in a way of, I see you. And Daniela, the, part of this work that I've been doing, it, it was incredibly hard in 2018. So had my daughter in 2017, it was the depths of the Canadian winter, and I wasn't happy with the discourse around relationships in the media. Yeah. And inspired by this new, also very new feminine energy from my daughter, I wanted to do something different. And mm -hmm. so I started my social media space. I started writing more blogs and writing contributions to Motherly and Tiny Buddha. I had a few pieces taken up. Um, but I wanted more people to understand the tools and the skills that I teach people every single day. And what came from that also is, of course, people found me in my therapy practice and we would talk about consent and the importance of confidentiality and privacy. And if you're commenting on my stuff and following me on social, I'm not going to engage with you to right? And, and I tell my clients, I encourage them to not necessarily follow me so wow. that we have a bit of that distance to work together. However, some do. And so the, the importance of this work really came out when a client that I had worked with for several sessions, a mother also to two young kids, and I could see that there was a greater struggle in this. And it wasn't a projection of me. It was the, the sheer reality of what she was telling me, but she would tell it to me almost in a way of very distant. And it was hard, but you know, I got through it. And each session she came with almost a wall up between us. And I kept trying to connect with her on a deeper level and to explore the really hard pieces, the narratives that she was having inside of her. And then one session she comes and she says, I watched your stories on the weekend. Oh. And you were talking about the guilt you feel as a parent and how you feel like you can never get it right. And I realized in that moment that you are also a human. You're not perfect. Hmm. And there the wall came down for her. She started to, we, we did some beautiful work after that. And from there, um, it made me realize that 
and I had already known this because we do self-disclosures um, sparingly and with choice, a therapeutic choice in session, but I had always known that people need to know that they're not the only one having that experience. I mean, that's like the biggest thing. Just, I mean, if, you, if you've ever been in a 12-step room mm -hmm. or any recover or, or a grieving room, right? mm -hmm. like a women's right. circle. Right. We need to know that we're not alone in this. Yeah. And so my humanity and vulnerability and authenticity, I think is such a key piece and writing stories about relationships. I wanted to demonstrate what these real everyday couples struggle with writing those stories. It felt like such a miss if I didn't include the very real experiences that I was having alongside my clients. Yeah. I thank you for it. I really thank do. Thank you. Yeah. I know it's not easy also because I'm sure you've been trained sort of out of it. I'm a, I'm a chronic oversharer because my feelings, by the way, are my business, right? Like yes. I'm an actress. I've been trained mm -hmm. to share my feelings and my life experience as an offering to the collective. Mm -hmm. So, so being having like a more professional, mm -hmm. that's hard. Mm -hmm. But I imagine it's the other way around for you too. Like breaking that perfection, per perfectionism or that perfect view mm -hmm. because for a long time we wanted our we thought we wanted our therapist to be perfect we wanted her to have the perfect marriage right because then right, because, we could have it too right that's if not I, how that I works could, <laughs> no no and that in some ways is even a defense right this idea that somehow i'm going to find what my therapist has and i'll hold my therapist on a pedestal as someone who doesn't struggle and that's where i'm striving for and that is not reality and it's, it's actually quite beautiful having all of these people trained in this area to be able to say, here's what I struggle with. Here's how human I am. I know I already asked you why you went into psychology, but why, why couples therapy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Initially, I remember in, well, initially in first year, I, I was on the med school track, but I was majoring in psychology and the program I was in had said, eh, it might be a tough call to get into med school, but I wanted to go into psychiatry, really not understanding what psychology, psychologists or therapists were at the time. In second year, I discovered my love um, of always wanting to work with children and then I, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was a third year course looking at attachment theory and yeah. relationships. And then fourth year studying uh, for my honors degree, my, um, my thesis for all my honors, I studied romantic relationships and attachment styles. And that just understanding how complex one of our most important relationships are, I was I was just swept away. I was like, yes, this is where I'm going. And it's, wow. it's really, when you think about working with a couple and, and therapists will say this, it's, it's not for everybody because you are working with yeah. many different dynamics in the room. I have a relationship with each of the client. I have a relationship with their dynamic. You are sometimes more of a traffic cop in the therapy room of no, stop. Let's try this again. Okay. Wait, hang on. Whoa. I'm not going to let you go there. We need to stop. Right. 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 Um, but it, it's, it's intense. It's difficult. And at the same time, there is just this energy of being able to see two people who are trying to be on the same page, who 
who are like trying to get to the same goal. And then when they can make these shifts, it is so cool to see. I bet it's even cooler than sitting across from one person at a time because we don't really know, you know, like they're both I, really cool. <laughs> they're, I, both, they're both. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They're both yeah. really cool. Oh, well, in, in the sense of like individual versus couples, I, I love being able to sit across from people just in general. So whether you're <laughs> coming with your partner or you're coming on your own or you're coming because you wish your partner would come, um, we're just so fascinating as humans. And maybe but, that that comes back to my empathy and compassion. For I, I know. And your curiosity, <laughs> it's the best. And your highly sensitive nature and your storytelling prowess, <laughs> you're the best. But I'm wondering, like, if I come here and I tell you all about Dan, do you sometimes see all of a sudden Dan walks in the room and he's like a totally different person than the person that I described in therapy I just find that so fascinating because like the people in our heads Uh that are also in our lives can often be like not the same person Uh as the one who's like walking through the door right isn't that Uh It, it but isn't that also a testament to how strong our narratives can be that when we shape our own reality in a certain way. So if I go back to that scrubbing the kitchen wall, and then if I'm the one in my therapy session saying my husband never helps out and I can't see anything outside of that, how Mm. easy it would be for someone who that's the only information they have to then buy into that. And and that's where therapists are objective and they're outside of you and we can take different views and perspectives. Um, But you're right. You're absolutely right. that and, And we have to be aware of how do we project our own stuff onto our partner? And what if we just erased that and viewed them differently? It's really fun when that happens. Mm-hmm. Like it was mm-hmm. fun when I was flipping through your videos. Um, and I like erased that blame that he was the reason for my exhaustion because the truth is I couldn't blame my daughter. She's like four, like, <laughs> right? Like, right. That's her job to keep me up. I really shouldn't, I shouldn't have blamed him either, but it actually felt good to, to, to like wash the window clean and see him again. When oh, I looked up I from my phone. That. I like, love that image. Oh, there you are. Oops. Sorry. Right. Well, and to even take it one step further, and I, I actually think I did this in the book around um, one of the views at that moment of viewing my partner as if like a child or like the child part, or maybe I'm mixing that up with something. But when we approach our partner and instead of seeing their defensiveness as coming at us, to see them as a younger part of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for people who are listening, who are stuck in feeling very angry at their partners, I would strongly encourage you to pull up a picture of your partner at their younger self and then to look at that child and to think of how maybe they didn't get their needs met mm-hmm. and what they were longing for and couldn't get couldn't ask for as a child just going back to that intention i i sort of have been musing on this sort of borrowing your empathy for men in general and for couples um And I know that so many of us can feel like, you know, the patriarchy and it's it's a real thing. And the patriarchy 
aren't patriarchs, you know, but, but um, I sometimes look at men that I love and I think, oh, how sad is it that they could never be sweet and vulnerable and mm -hmm. mushy? Like, I look at my son, a total cuddle muffin. When and does cuddle that get him longer than you I think? I know. But, and so, so my little guy, he's eight. Okay, and tell me. he, um, he's growing into a little boy. The last two years, especially from six to eight, it's been, yeah. it's been so hard. <laughs> and I have intentionally found myself slowing down and sinking into physical connection with him because he is still so small and yes. he still needs this. Yeah. And remembering that we are there, we are showing them their first relationships. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes at the end of the day, it's been so long. I've cared for everybody else. And he says, can you just rub my back? I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh. So I'm, and I hear even like the patriarchal yeah. type messaging of, can you just fall asleep on your own? Yeah. Right? You don't need me to do this. And I shift out of it. And I come back to that attachment, that connection, that soothing and safety for him to vocalize his need. Yes. And then for me to respond to that, that's teaching him what it means to build a really healthy relationship. I know. I, I do the same, by the way. My son is six and a half. And I, I'm like, in my head, why, why doesn't he fall asleep on his own? I mean, he can. I'm going to show this fall and... I'll be on stage while it, you know, during his bedtime, he'll fall asleep, mm -hmm. but I will cuddle him un until he shoots mm -hmm. me away. And he does sometimes shoot yeah. me away. Yeah, yeah. Which is also good, but good and know. hard. And, and, <laughs> and, and I think the thing is, is we, we look at our boys to grow up fast. There, there is still, we're fighting through this messaging that, that our children or boys specifically don't need the hugs and the closeness and the connection. And they do, they really of course do. They do. And I think many of our partners thinking of the age that we are right now, I think many of them can describe not necessarily getting that or being yeah. told. And maybe you saw this with your children. I saw this with mine and it was so interesting to have a boy first and then a girl. Mm -hmm. So grandparents, so extended family um, would say, to my son, stand up, brush it off. You got it. Good, good. Come on. We'll get back on the bike. We'll try again. And then when my daughter would fall, oh, you scraped your <sighs> knee. Are you okay? Here, let me give you a hug. Right? And yet at our core, we are all dependent beings. We need that connection. We yeah. are hardwired to connect with others. Yeah. And to feel like our pain matters. But I, I say that about the little boys because, you know, we were talking about our partners, you know, uh -huh. they, they also were little too. And they, uh -huh. I, I'm learning from you that that defensive nature of men, which is a real thing, uh -huh. right? Like the, 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 the spoon really was dirty. Like I should be able to say like, just like be careful next time without it being like so defensive, whatever. Without it I, touching their core I, worth. But that's, that's what happened. It, yes. I, he worked so hard to do all the things in our home, outside our home, even in his own self. You know, he's 
that when I say that about the spoon, I'm learning from you, by the way, <laughs> I'm jabbing at a wound, <laughs> which is like, why didn't you get that last 2%? Mm. Oh, gosh. Why didn't you get that last 2%? <laughs> oh, Danielle, that's going to stay with me when I go home because I am similar to you in that sense. I, I'm a, I'm, I'll raise my hand. Hi, I'm Tracy. I'm a really good blamer. In oh. good company oh, with Brene Brown. Brene Brown is also a blamer. So, you know, oh. we're okay. <laughs> we're okay. Yes. yes. I, I mean... But but I, that there is that element though of it's kind of the, the there's just two parts right on one part it's like hey watch out for the spoon do we have to say it maybe we say it maybe it's not the best time but we say it but then the other piece though is our partners do need to take feedback feedback is not about lovability and worthiness right so when I say I need I need to go to bed I need you to do the dishes I need you to kind of like I have often used the analogy of gears with my husband. It's like I run in fourth gear, you're cruising the city down in second. And it's so hard because I'm exhausted and I love all that you do. And at the same time, I need you to pick it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he can so easily spiral into, so you're saying I'm not doing enough? Yeah. You're saying I'm not good enough? The 2%, man. No. Why didn't you get a hundred? Why didn't you get an A? Why'd you get an A minus? Right. That's not what I'm saying, babe. I'm just Uh saying, can you do the dishes? Mm Mm-hmm. But we do have to translate, don't we? Because we love them, a hundred percent. And I, the other reason, uh, the other reason why is because I really believe that, and I know this because my parents didn't have a good relationship. They had a, a terrible relationship, and it was painful for me as a child. Mm-hmm. So I know that an extension of my parenting, first of all, we can, we can get so much energy and juice out of a loving relationship, by the way. Oh, like, let's acknowledge that, please. Can let's, we just talk about yes. that for a second? Yes, like right. good and, sex, and just, support. Yes, fun, play, um, joy, connection. Like we lose that though, don't we? Because we stop giving the good stuff. We stop being intentional with our partner. We stop dating each other. Right, right. We stop dating each other. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that, so, so we know there's the connection and it's um, the research term is bi-directional. It's a bi-directional relationship that when we are distressed in our relationship, we are more like there's a connection to depression and anxiety. But then for some people, anxiety, depression shows up first, which then contributes to relationship distress, but it goes back and forth. Because mm-hmm. when you're distressed in your home, it permeates every part of you. Oh, my God. Every and, and part it, of you. Every part. And again, it's because we are hardwired to be in connection with our partners. We need that. Yeah. We really we really do need that. <laughs> we really do need that. And I do think that our children need that. I, I know uh-huh. I, like, I like kind of wince when I say that because I'm like, it's not all for the kids. That's no. not going to help us in the long run, we should want to ha- live good lives for ourselves. We should want to be kind to our partners for that in and of itself. But I can't skip over the fact that like, if we are raising children together, it really affects them when there's constant bickering. It really affects them when like, I was mad the whole day about that spoon, mm. not about the spoon, but about the defensiveness about the spoon. It took me like two days to to watch your video about the defensiveness of men because of the way they were raised for me to put it all together, why he would do that and why mm. holding a grudge against him wasn't 
a whole day. You think my kids didn't feel that thick? Of course. Air? Of course Mm -hmm. they did. Is it going to ruin their lives? No. No. But can we not have more of those days? Mm -hmm. Probably Mm -hmm. best not to have more of those days. One of the biggest challenges that I experience as a couples therapist is, or just a therapist in general, is when people tell me that they're staying together for the kids. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and, what my parents did. Please don't and, do that. And I understand that there are financial difficulties, mm. um, housing challenges, all of that in there. I get that. And you are not staying together for the kids. Mm-hmm. And you are, our job in a way is to teach them what it means to be in a loving relationship. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest ways we could do that is to model it because mm-hmm. they're going to grow up and see what it means to be treated or how to treat somebody else. And, and how, what you'll stand for, right? Right. Like mm-hmm. if there's, if there's no progress in these conversations, if I didn't seek out Dr. Tracy and apologize and I kept the grudge for that long you know for a long long time right if it was terrible mm-hmm. and toxic well sure and a- because they build right we sweep it out of the rug we don't talk about it and it builds and it builds and it builds and then you forget that there was this moment about the spoon and his defensiveness mm-hmm. and instead we're all the way at you never you always we're not having sex mm. anymore we're not having fun mm. and play we're you know mm. well I I don't think it, it's worth it to st- stick together for the kids. I could tell you as a kid, <laughs> as a kid in yeah. that situation, when I tell you, remember when I said it was painful mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we love our our parents. Mm-hmm. We want them to be happy. Children want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that I, I love the title of the book, which is I didn't sign up for this because we did sign up for something. What did we, I think it's a, I think it's a great prompt. What did what did we sign up for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that has to be each person to be able to answer that. What is mm. it that you like, what's really meaningful about your relationship mm. and how do we then start to heal this old stuff that is showing up moment to moment? And then how do you start choosing us, the we? What is your hope for the book and mm. for each of your readers? My hope is for each of them to feel seen and understood in the everyday struggles that they have. Daniela, when I was going through this resentment, my first, after having my son, I thought I was the only person experiencing resentment in my relationship. And I felt so much shame as a couples therapist to not be able to figure out how to navigate these things. And nobody was talking about that. My, my friends who were, were our fellow psychologists, we weren't at the park talking about how we resented our partners. Yeah. We were talking about the kids and breastfeeding and sleeping and are we doing purees or solids or whatever the, the conversation is of the day. High chairs. High chairs. Strollers. <laughs> and I felt alone. Yeah. And my hope is for people to not feel so alone in these struggles and then to also see that they have choices and they can start making changes within mm-hmm. within themselves and also within their relationship. Because the goal ultimately is we want to live a meaningful life, one where we mm-hmm. feel connected to ourselves and then also to the people around us. Especially those closest to us who mm-hmm. we love. And I like to remind people that as soon as somebody matters to you as soon as they mean something to you 
that is the moment they have the power to hurt you. Ooh. And it's not if they hurt you, it's when. You talk about repair a lot and bids. I know you even have a course on this, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're always asking for connection. And our partners are always asking for connection. I, to the listener, by the way, I could sit here and talk forever, but we do have to, you know, wrap up. Go ahead and um, when you follow Dr. Tracy, <laughs> check out her course on bids for connection because even just the idea of it, it is new for me. Mm. Like, uh -huh. I never even considered it. Like, we're going to hurt each other, but we're also going to reach out to each other, even unconsciously. Uh -huh. So you bring that to the conscious forefront. Mm -hmm. Maybe tell us a little bit about that, if you can. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example. The other Saturday, so this is, we're gearing up for book launch, and we're at home. I have a to-do list that's very long, and the kids have just finished breakfast. I have my coffee. I have my favorite book that I'm almost done, and the kids leave the table, and I'm just about to get into the book. And my husband sits down across from me with his breakfast, and he goes, the grass is really growing, eh? <laughs> Cutie. And in that moment, I'm thinking, oh, I really want to read my book. <laughs> and so I look over at him. I say, yeah, tell me more about that. What are you thinking about? And that is me seeing that he was making a bid to connect with me. And and he he could sit here with you and say, I don't know, was I trying to make a bid to connect with you? Maybe, maybe not. I just commented on the grass. Yeah. But that is a way that we reach out to the person. It's like, do you see me? I'm here with you. And when I put the book down, I did get back to it at a later time, but we ended up having a fantastic conversation. And so again, when we go back to those choices, at any moment, your partner touches your back as they walk by you. Do you, you know, squeeze their arm as they walk by or do you shudder away or do you say, don't do that? So in any moment we are responding to our partner, are we doing it? And the Gottmans talk about this beautifully. This is their bid for connection work. Are you turning towards your partner? Are you turning away from them or are you turning towards them unkindly? And they find that their word is successful couples, couples who end up staying together. They turn towards their partner much more than what partners who are in distress or end their relationship do. Wow. So it's the small moment. So if you're thinking, okay, Daniela has taken us on a journey here today with Dr. Tracy. Where do I go? What can I start to do? The one thing you could do today is look for a bid for connection from your partner or see what your bid is to them. You know what's so crazy is like, I give out bids all the time that I don't even know. Like, I don't even know I'm doing it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm getting curious about myself also. Like, I I can kind of recognize the bids in Dan, but I'm like, wait, what am I? Was that me? Am I trying to cozy up? Am I? Do I love him? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, do I want to feel seen? The spoon was a bid. And all, all he oh. needed to do was to say, oh, the oh. spoon was a bid. Even aggressive yeah. stuff. Oh, well, it wasn't so aggressive. I was just like, by the way, like, just blah, 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 make, make sure you don't put it and away imagine, when it's dirty. Imagine oh, if he said, do I matter? Oh, I babe, I get it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for pointing wow. that out for me. How are you doing right now? How's your overwhelm? Is there anything I can do to help you? 
right? Like it, it is a, it is a bid. It was like mm-hmm. a kind of baby bid. Like I was, <laughs> I, I wasn't in my full adult consciousness, maybe in the way I expressed mm-hmm. it. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this work and about this book. I'm so Thank grateful you. for everything you put out and how you do it in your gentle, empathetic, warm, and loving way. I really am so grateful for your storytelling. I also, by the way, believe that storytelling is the thing that's going to, that has always, Mm -hmm. you know, bred empathy Mm -hmm. and belonging and community. I love to tell stories. Oh my gosh, you're so good at it. You are so good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, This has been such a gift to sit with you. And you. I have been looking forward to this all month. It's been on my calendar. I've been so excited. So thank you. Thank you so much. Where can we find you? The best place. And please do, after listening to today, come say hello on Instagram. That's my main hangout. Send me a DM. Let me know what stood out for you. That is my favorite. I get DMs from people after listening to podcasts, and it's my favorite way to connect. But that's the the main place, Dr. Tracy D. And then on my website, I have lots of free resources. Um, that's drtracyd.com and join me with the book. It's drtracyd.com forward slash book. Um, the audiobook comes out soon as well. So it's all there. I narrate the audiobook. Oh, and... good. Cause you have a great voice. Thank you. Thank you. And you have a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. To... Yes. It's called, I'm not your shrink, but come say hi to me on Instagram. Thank okay. you. Daniela. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Bye friends. You See you next week. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Ravani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Ravani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast. Produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.